process or a mechanical process, and as a result of that process, a byproduct is created. It's not the intended thing or the, the main thing, but there's this byproduct. Let me give you an example. Brand, when they are processing wheat, I think we have a picture. Uh, when you're processing wheat, brand is a side effect, and brand is good for you, and they make it into a whole separate, like, important part of your dietary um, food. You know, like, you need this in your diet. Uh, another byproduct is when they process crude oil. You know where, where these come from? It's a byproduct of crude oil. Thank you. The chemist is nodding your head, so I must, if I say anything wrong, just tell me to shut it down. It's always nerve-wracking when you talk about chemistry and you know nothing, except what Wikipedia is. You know? um, so there's different byproducts. Now, there's some cool byproducts, there's some cool scientists who are actually trying to turn things like this back into oil rather than just floating around in the ocean. But that's great, but it's not the primary thing. But it is a byproduct of this process. Um, my father, before he retired, was a nuclear engineer. And part of nuclear fission is a byproduct of it is nuclear waste. And so sometimes you can have byproducts that are good, like they're like, hey, we made a new shopping bag, back to the environment, but very convenient to you. Or they're like, we made some brand, good for your dietary issues, you know, get some brand. Um, but sometimes there's negative byproducts, right? This is the nuclear waste depository. And uh, there's a mountain in the United States that they've hollowed out and they have shown shelves the nuclear waste. And they just leave it there underground until there's been enough time where it's no longer radioactive. But yes, in America, we have a mountain that's just hollowed out full of barrels of nuclear waste. It's a byproduct of nuclear fission. It's an undesirable byproduct, one that they're always trying to reduce, if possible. Now, you might be wondering, why are we talking about why do we care about this? Like, why are you giving us all this useless information? We're in a series about the Holy Spirit. How could this have anything to do with the Holy Spirit? We've been talking about who he is and what he does and how we should relate to him. And the Apostle Paul says that a byproduct of the Holy Spirit being in us is a change in our character, a change in our personality, and in our nature. According to Paul, the Spirit produces a number of positive byproducts as a result of him taking up residence in our lives. So let's look at two. Wow, I can't talk. Galatians 5, 22-26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Let us not provoke. Let us not envy each other. The best indicator that you have the Holy Spirit is these byproducts showing up in your life. It's not speaking in tongues or having some emotional experiences. The clearest indicator that you have that you have the Holy Spirit is you have become more patient, you become more loving, you become more joyful, you become more willing to do what is right, even when there is no results or praise. These fruits are evidences of God himself living in us. Now, growing up, I often heard the same thing. Like, growing up in churches, my family didn't start out in churches, we started attending, and then we got more and more committed, more and more involved, and this is what I heard growing up. To grow in your spiritual maturity, attend church, they got to be like, be here every time the doors are open, 
We open these doors just beat them. That's how you grow. And then they said, and read your Bible. You do those two things, boom, you're going to be super Christian. You know, you're going to be just like Jesus. Now, I think both of those things are good things. I'm grateful when we gather together. I think that's an important aspect of the Christian faith. I think scripture is an important way to meet and encounter God. But I don't think those are enough to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Because I knew lots of people who attended church all the time. Lots of people who knew lots about the Bible, but they were hateful, anxious, grumpy, impatient, rude, difficult people. Anybody? They're like, that person attends church all the time, but they are mean. You know, like, or they know the Bible so well, but they are some of the most anxious, hateful people I know. Um, I don't think it's just me. You probably know people like that, too. They spent a few hours a week going to church, but they spent many more hours each week hurrying, gossiping, pursuing attention for themselves and purchasing material things that would never make them happy. And this is, I think, our big problem. Adding a little Christianity to your life isn't enough to be formed into the image of Jesus. Sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in your life, and at the end of your life, you're not going to look that much different than the person down the street who did nothing religious at all. A little Christianity can make you religious, but it won't make you like Jesus. A little dash of Jesus, a little dash of church, or a little dash of the Bible is insufficient to see spiritual fruit. Today we're going to talk about, okay, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. He wants to produce this byproduct, this fruit, this love, joy, peace, patience, etc. How do we cultivate this fruit? How do we make sure that we're maximizing this byproduct of the Holy Spirit in us instead of actually producing it? Now, first things first. It is fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. And growing up, like in church, we always had these really uh, cheesy things, and they would be like pomegranate, peace, apple, joy. You know, and they would have all these fruits. They're like the fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit. Look back at what Paul says. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and then he lists multiple things. Now, Paul isn't dumb. He knows the difference between singular and plural. He knows that love, joy, peace, patience, those are plural words. Why is he calling it a singular fruit? Because the fruit is we become like Jesus. That's the fruit of the Spirit in us. And the Spirit doesn't dole out these fruits one at a time. Like, well, I give you joy, but not love. You're not ready for that, right? This is a package deal. All these traits are traits of Jesus. One fruit, the fruit is becoming like Jesus. The particulars are we become more loving, kind, patient. Now, Paul says here that he wants us to work in harmony with the Spirit. He called it walking in step with the Spirit. Did you notice that in verse 25? So we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Um, Darby enjoys watching the show Dancing with Stars. Anybody? Dancing with Stars? Do you enjoy it or do you love it? You enjoy it? Okay. Well, I'm sorry for this next section. I love to hate it. I love to enjoy it. Um, Sorry, Darby. It really is. Darby enjoys watching Dancing with the Stars. Here's how I describe it. They get a bunch of B-list, sometimes C or D-list actors together, um, and then they're trained by professional dancers to compete against each other, while other C-list, D-list, E-list celebrities act as the host. Um, and Gary Lucy was one of my favorites. He was terrible. Like, he was like watching Frankenstein trying to dance out there, and the poor dancer assigned to him, she was so graceful and perfect. She was doing all the beautiful moves. And he's like, you can tell he's like, where am I? 
out of that physical place that you still have views and you still stare completely out of sync with her. Just like that. That's how you can be with the Holy Spirit in your life. You can either dance in harmony with the Holy Spirit or you can be completely out of step with the Holy Spirit. If we want to see the fruit of the Spirit, we have to dance in step in harmony with the Spirit. If we dance out of sync, we're not going to see these byproducts. We're not going to see love, joy, peace, patience, etc. If we just stand there and the music plays and the Holy Spirit does a beautiful dance but we don't join in, we won't automatically see the spiritual benefits of the Holy Spirit being in our life. Paul says we can either maximize the byproducts, these things like love, joy, peace, and patience, or we can actively work against what the Spirit is trying to do in our lives. Notice what he says are signs that we are out of step with the Spirit. This comes right out of verse 26. What does he say is a evidence that we are out of step? We will envy each other, we will be conceited, and we will provoke each other. Now, if you just went on social media, and you found comments written by American Christians, um, I'm not sure those comments would always represent them being in step with the Spirit, right? There's a lot of provocation, there's a lot of envy, there's a lot of conceit. Yes, the Spirit does the heavy lifting to change us from the inside out, but He gives us the agency to resist the changes in our lives if we want to. The evidence of that resistance is arrogance, fighting, and jealousy, according to the Apostle Paul. So, do a little self-inventory. Arrogance, fighting, and jealousy are outward signs that you are resisting the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about joy, peace, patience, love, kindness, gentleness in your life. So before we talk about how to cultivate the spirit, the spirit fruit, the byproducts in our lives, we need to look at the contrast Paul makes in the verses before this in Galatians 5, verses 16 to 21. So this is right before the passage we just read. So I say, walk by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and other things like that. Like, Paul gives us exhaustive less than any, like, oh, and anything else like that. Um, and I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The reason why you and I just don't automatically, like, we're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. He promised the Holy Spirit to those who became his students. Like, why don't I automatically produce fruit? Well, the reason is, you also have the flesh. The flesh is selfish, destructive desires, and the spirit, what God wants, are at war with each other. Why is it when you know, when your doctor tells you, Alex, don't eat bacon, because your blood pressure is high, and you should stop eating this. And I'm like, bacon, I know if I eat this, I'll probably die early, but it's so good. You know, what is that self-destructive thing, where when you're like, I, my credit card's maxed out, I really need to cut my spending, but you're like, these new shoes, these new clothes, this new video game, this new thing that I need. Why are we self-destructive? 
Well, the Bible says that we have our flesh. This broken, corrupt part of ourselves that doesn't always think about what's best. My atheist state counselor friend calls it our lizard brain. Um, there's a part of our human physical body that is just simply about fight, flight, or pleasure. And sometimes we think that way. Whatever you call it, it is our human nature to serve ourselves instead of our community, to self-sabotage, to do what feels good in the moment regardless of future consequences. Um, there's a Cherokee legend of a chief talking to his son, and he tells his son, he's like, there's a fight going on inside of me. Um, it's a fight, it's a terrible fight between two wolves, one is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good, is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And he says, this same fight is going on in you, my son, and in all of humans. And the son looked up at the chief and said, which wolf wins? And the chief, you probably heard this example before, it famously says, the one you feed. Now, this is why I think it's so important in this series to take a self-inventory, because it's easy to say, yes, I've become a student of Jesus, and I have the Holy Spirit, I believe the right things, but you could be feeding the wrong wolves, as it were, feeding your flesh, instead of feeding the spirit. The byproduct of the flesh, Paul says, the byproduct of the flesh being fed is sexual immorality, impurities, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, etc. The byproduct of the spirit being fed is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you look back over the last three years and see which you've been feeding? Which byproduct have you been seeing? Maybe you haven't started working lately, um, but how about selfish ambition or jealousy? Look at how you comment on things on social media, how you reply back to the people who love you. There's an awful lot of hatred, discord, fits of rage, dissension, factions, and envy online. And many times, it's not just me looking at it, it's me actively involved. These are all fruits off of the same tree that Paul says grow the fruit of witchcraft and idolatry. It might be a good moment for all of us to repent. Because if we don't change directions, the results that we're seeing today will eventually be the results that we see over a lifetime and will affect the person who we become, the person we are at the end of our lives. And who I want to be at the end of my life is someone like Jesus who is loving and patient and kind. I've had a few mentors who are in their 70s and 80s, and I'm just been so impressed by how, what a spirit of patience and kindness and gentleness they have. They have no ego. They have no, like, I've got to make myself look better. There's just none of that. They're so like Jesus. I want to be around them. I want to become like them. But that choice is made daily when we either choose to feed the flesh and resist the efforts of the spirit, or we choose to feed the spirit and resist the efforts of the flesh. Now, sometimes someone quite important does something quite horrible. You know, maybe a pastor or a priest or a mentor or a parent, and you think, how could that person have been so much good through something so evil? Like, how did they suddenly get to this point? 
Um, it's not that hard to understand, really, if what Paul is saying is true. They kept picking off the fruit of the tree of the flesh, but at first it was just socially acceptable fruit. But if you keep seeding the flesh, if you keep harvesting fruit from that tree, the fruit on that tree is, yes, anger and rage, but, and jealousy and selfish desire for fame, but on that tree is also idolatry and sexual impurity and witchcraft and, and all these other horrible things that no, we wouldn't think anybody would do. Keep picking fruit from that tree and eventually you'll find yourself doing quite horrible things. The good news, of course, is that if you feed the spirit, the flesh withers. If we can cultivate the fruit, the byproduct of the Holy Spirit, the flesh loses its power and influence in our life. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on avoiding sin. Like the church culture I grew up in, it was all about sin. Like, is that sin? Is that not sin? Stop doing sin. Every message was essentially like this. Sin is going to kill you forever. Better stop doing it. You're saved now? Better stop doing sin. Every message was sin. It was all about sin. Jesus came up so fast, but it was mostly sin. It was, sin was not about the I think much more than talking about whether something is sin or not, we need to ask ourselves, how does this forming me? Because there's a lot of things we do in our everyday life that aren't necessarily sinful, selfish, or destructive, but they're not making us into the people we want to be. I love, like, mindlessly playing video games for hours and hours and hours, but that is not forming me into a person that looks like Jesus. So rather than asking, is it sin, ask, is this making me more like Jesus? How is this forming me? We should put emphasis on avoiding sin. Sin is destructive. It always hurts our relationships. But we do not overcome sin by fixating on it and avoiding it. We overcome sin by chasing after the Spirit. And this is what Paul is saying. If you chase after the Spirit, the byproducts of the Spirit change your life. Because you're cultivating your relationship with the Spirit, you don't need laws. You're too going do what's right. And in the, uh, when he talks about laws here, what he's saying is not like, oh, I can speak on the highway now because, you know, I'm living in the spirit. Galatians was written to Gentile followers of Jesus who had come to faith, but then Jewish followers of Jesus had come in and said, you must become Jewish in order to truly follow Jesus. And Paul is re refuting that in the entire book of Galatians. He's saying, you don't have to follow the Torah or the law given to the Jews. Even though it's good, it's inferior to the Spirit. Laws help us control our flesh, but if we actually live in communion with the Spirit, if we cultivate the byproducts of the Spirit, the flesh will starve. The, the, the Torah is unnecessary in the world. In another place, or rather, in this passage in Galatians 5, um, verse 24, Paul says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. Dying to what we selfishly want and choosing to pursue what God wants is how we crucify the flesh. So, okay, all that to be said, how do we cultivate the work of the Spirit? How do we make, how do we become people of love, joy, peace, patience? How do we walk in harmony with Him and not dance like Gary Busey? How do we aid in this work to shape us into the image of Jesus? In John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Early Christians 
designing structures around their life, habits of spiritual formation to serve as a trellis to help them abide in Christ, your natural tendency is not to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. It's to lean towards the flesh. And so we need to put structures into our life. You cannot live a selfish, secular life and expect the Spirit to suddenly make you like Jesus. I think that's how most Christians in American churches this morning are hoping. They're like, I'm going to live my life exactly like my neighbor down the street, and then hope somehow that magically the Holy Spirit makes me like Jesus. You cannot actively swim upstream and expect the current to carry you to the sea. I can't douse myself in gasoline and play with matches and say, God, please don't let me get burned. Right? That's not how that works. And yet, that's exactly how some of us live our spiritual lives. Actively pursuing the flesh and then saying, Jesus, make me like you. Well, we cannot will ourselves to grow fruit, just as I can't sit on the couch and will myself to lose weight. I can't use my will to do things that produce change in my life. The apprentices of Jesus were called disciples because they made his teachings into life discipline. They thought that what he taught was an excellent way to live, and they didn't just say that or make it like, man, Jesus is doing good stuff. Yes, I'm on board. They practiced it. We cannot pursue materialism and expect the Spirit to produce joy despite it. We cannot pursue a crazy schedule or constant hurry and expect the Spirit to produce peace despite it. We cannot pursue a constant drive for self-promotion and attention and expect the Spirit to produce love despite it. Our entire culture has been designed to feed our flesh and starve our spirit. If we're going to be people who see the byproducts of the spirit in our life, we must be counterformed. We must set up daily habits and weekly habits. We must choose to habitually practice the ways of Jesus. This is why we have spiritual formation groups. Because knowing all the right things, having a relationship with Jesus, and yet spending the majority of your time pursuing the flesh will never produce spiritual transformation in your life. The world isn't wired that way. The world, just the way the world works, is not set up to make you more like Jesus. If you just go with the flow, it won't be towards peace, it won't be towards anxiety, it won't be towards love, it won't be towards change, it won't be towards patience, it won't be towards courage. Now, this isn't a formula I can make where I'm like, A plus B over C squared, and boom, this is how you live out Jesus. But you must choose, because your life and schedule is different than mine, you have to choose how to habitually uh, uh, live out the practices of Jesus to be performed against the formation that's happening all week long. Attending church for an hour a week, reading your Bible occasionally, and trying to be nice isn't enough counterformation to actually produce the fruits of the Spirit in your life. The world systems are attempting to shape you every second of every day. And they're not going to shape you into Jesus. They're going to shape you into someone who's lonely, someone who's anxious, someone who's busy, someone who's self-centered. Dallas Miller puts it like this. Jesus invites us to follow him into his practices. His practices such as solitude and silence, study and service, worship, and etc. We call them spiritual disciplines. There with him, our readiness to do evil that inhabits our bodies through long practice are gradually removed to an ever-increasing degree. Our flesh increasingly comes to the side of God's spirit in service to God. As we close, let's pray.
Holy Spirit, forgive us for so often eating our flesh, for living out of step with you. Forgive us for thinking that we can spend the vast majority of our lives rushing around, seeking material things, chasing fame and fortune, and thinking somehow that in the end you'll still make us into people like you. Help us form daily habits to practice the disciplines we don't want dead religion with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave us with powerless means with no sign of the supernatural. Surprise, surprise us. Do wonders for your glory. 